Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, LA Knight's Hero Path officially begins. CM Punk stirs up more controversy. We've got a new United States champion. And of course, why did Jey Uso just say that he's quitting the WWE? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Boy, oh boy, what a time to be a fan, as it always is. That's why shows like Not Sam Wrestling exist, specifically Not Sam Wrestling. As a show, welcome to 460, and so much to talk about. I love just watching the week progress and go like, okay, yeah, I could talk about this. Yeah, I could talk about that on the show. And then by the time we hit the end of the week, boy, do I have a lot to talk about. Welcome to another week of Not Sam Wrestling. And I think the topic that is on everybody's mind is how SmackDown ended. And it's on everybody's mind for a variety of reasons. Some storyline related, some business related. There, there's there's so much to break down when it comes to the, the, the I was going to say solution, but it's not a solution. It's more, it's not even the explanation. Coming out of SummerSlam, people were going, I have no idea why that happened. There were a few, I think, that developed theories about why Jimmy Uso would turn on Jay. Like, how does it even make sense was the question. And I think the vast majority of people were like, I have no clue how this makes an ounce of sense. But I think many, myself included, and we talked about it last week, went, look, the bloodline has sent us in a variety of directions since it began. Let's wait till SmackDown and, and see what's said. And of course, rumors went flying all week after that. Oh, Roman Reigns got injured in the match. Oh, this is happening. That's happening. Well... The bloodline did assemble at SmackDown. And I mean, I've got to tell you, it was a newsworthy SmackDown. You've got people on SmackDown that are like ultra over. It's the thing that is important about the, the bloodline to consider is that as big as the bloodline is, it's not like the rest of the show is not getting 
a spotlight, right? Like when you look at SummerSlam, for example, it was a four-hour show. Almost the complete fourth hour was the bloodline. And, and, and you could definitely have an opinion about whether or not the bloodline actually needed a full hour at the end of that pay-per-view. But I think what we can all agree on is that there was a three-hour show before the bloodline even approached the ring. And every match on the show had a story and a reason for being. And all but one, I would say, was was fairly universally uh, applauded, right? So, uh, but then there's the bloodline. So I say all this to say that I noticed that when Roman Reigns made his entrance, and it's key, Roman Reigns made his entrance to the ring in the segment after Rey Mysterio had just won the United States Championship. Rey Mysterio winning a championship on television, and we'll get more into that, is a massive story. The fact that Roman Reigns could not only follow that, but still, when the bloodline comes out, for me anyway, I can only speak for myself, there is this feeling of, oh, this is the this is the big deal of the show. And I'd be willing to bet that ratings will once again reflect that there's a lot of people who who feel the same way that I do that even though smackdown is 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 riding high in general and raw as the whole show is better than raw has been in a very long time that it just hits different when roman and paul heyman and solo sokoa and even the usos show up there it's just it's a it's a different vibe so i would say that on smackdown we got, we didn't really get an explanation. We got the beginning of an explanation because Roman Reigns comes to the ring. He's holding the Golden Universal Championship as has become the, the, the regular story, right? And Paul Heyman has got the black title and the blue title that he holds, you know, I, which is just to come to the ring with, with Roman Reigns draped in trophies. And uh, as he gets in the ring, uh, he he wants to know why Jimmy isn't there. Where's Jimmy? And Paul Heyman. He goes, "Haven't you spoken to Jimmy? Haven't you?" Well, I did. I did speak to Jimmy, and he, he was he was. I don't know if Paul Heyman said terse or in a sour mood, or I, it didn't seem like Jimmy was happy. All of a sudden, Jimmy shows up from the crowd, the same way he showed up at SummerSlam with the same outfit on, hood up, mask up, pulls the mask down. And Jimmy gets in the ring. And Roman acknowledges, for lack of a better term, that he owes Jimmy a, a debt of gratitude. That he owe, he said, let's be honest, Jimmy, let's just say what it is. I owe you one. And he talks about the amount of power that he has and the fact that whatever you want, Jimmy. And Jimmy said, I didn't do this for you. And Roman goes, okay, no problem. Hey, no beef, no beef, no beef. But look, I'm Roman Reigns, okay? We can do some, I can, if you don't want anything physical, because you know I can get you whatever you want in terms of, of physical material wealth. But if you don't want something physical, it doesn't have to be physical. You could be my right-hand man, huh? Which is the role that that I think he tried to cast Jay in, right? When he, when he, when he propped Jay up before... Jay, you know, turned on him and, and they had to go to tribal combat or whatever it was. So 
this again is, is sort of back to the foundation of who Roman Reigns is, a toxic narcissist, that he believes that the greatest reward that he could give Jimmy Uso for helping him out is to be his right-hand man. I mean, I could think of all the all the money in the world, all the things that that money could buy, but if none of that appeals to you, I know what will. You can be my assistant. Wouldn't that be great? Who thinks that way? Other than a totally psychotic narcissist. It's just an unhealthy way to be alive. Well, Jimmy says, no, I don't want any of that. And before Jimmy can even continue, Jay's music hits. And now we're going to get to it, right? Now we're going to get the explanation. Jay comes to the ring and he's furious. And he says, tell me why, Jimmy. Tell me why. Like he's a backstreet boy. Tell me why, Jimmy. Before I beat that ass. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the vibe that we're getting from Jay Uso. And Jimmy says, no, 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 Jay, I did this for you, Jay. I did this for you. You have to understand. I, I, I stopped you from winning for you. You would have won that match. And he goes, and if you would, had won that match, then you would have been the tribal chief. And, and then what would have happened to the Usos? If you're the tribal chief, if you beat Roman, then what happens to us? Jay, it's about us. And furthermore, he says, look at, the, at, at, at what the title of the tribal chief carries with it. This, this lust for power, this, this toxic mental abuse of your loved ones, the people that are around you. Jay, I couldn't let that happen to you. I couldn't let this toxic power take you over, okay? So, of course, there are people who are going like, that explanation is a, a turkey. That makes no sense. But I'll tell you why for me, I went, whoa, before we even get to the next step, we're already going in an angle that I didn't realize we were gonna go in. And maybe I'm looking too deep into this and maybe I'm giving it too much credibility, but I don't think I am giving it too much credibility because- I've said it before. The beauty of the bloodline is everything counts. And they've made it so that everything counts. Even when they go back and borrow from something that happened years ago, it makes sense in the context of years ago, and it makes sense bringing it forward. Now, There's, there, I don't find that there's a whole bunch of retconning going on. So what I get from that are two things here. Number one, in terms of, of attempting to... to get someone over, if we're using industry terms, in terms of making somebody look good. In this one fell swoop, without anybody saying it, both Jimmy Uso and, most importantly, Roman Reigns flat out said that Jay Uso would have won the match had it not been for Jimmy. They're, they're two of the most powerful characters on television, one of them being Jay's opponent in the match, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has never, with any of his opponents, acknowledged that they were even close to defeating him. Even when he has to use nefarious ways to defeat his opponents, he never said, for example, man, if it wasn't for Solo Sokoa, Cody Rhodes would have beaten me at WrestleMania. He's never said that. Man, if it wasn't for Solo again, Drew McIntyre would have beaten me at Clash of the Castle. Never come up. He's never said it. Every single match 
whether it's true or not based on the story that we're presented, that character tells us, I won the match because I am superior to the person that I was in the ring with. And Michael Cole on commentary pushes that narrative forward. And Paul Heyman pushes that narrative forward. And we don't get anything from any other source that says that that opponent is on Roman's level. Every, every single dictation that we get is Roman is superior to that opponent and that's why he still stands here, the forever universal champion, except it didn't happen on SmackDown. On SmackDown, all parties for the first time said, Jay had the match won. Jimmy said, I stopped the match because otherwise you would have won. Not you could have, otherwise you would have won. I had to interfere because you would have been the champion. Roman has never owed anyone anything. Roman's character has always been of the mindset that you are lucky to be in his presence. For the first time, he's looking at his cousin and whether he's manipulating him or not, he is saying, I owe you one. Why do you owe me one? Well, he owes him one because he is saying without saying that had it not been for Jimmy's interference, Jay would have beaten him. And that's an acknowledgement that has never come out of Roman Reigns. Very significant. Number two, Jimmy Uso is saying, well, there's this, there's this toxic thing that comes with that title. What if, what if the toxic thing doesn't come with the title of tribal chief? What if it's something baked into the DNA? Because what I got from that segment is that Jay is not in danger of becoming this sort of jealous, power-hungry monster that Jimmy is, right? Because in any, in any circumstance, if Jay and Jimmy, twin brothers, are there to support each other, the idea that one would achieve the ultimate success without the other, well, the other should be celebrating that. But Jimmy isn't. Jimmy isn't celebrating that. In fact, he's trying to make sure that doesn't happen because he doesn't want to disrupt the Usos unit. Why? He doesn't want anything to be taken away from him. He doesn't want Jay to get if it means he doesn't have as much, which is selfish, not selfless. And then he frames it in such a way where, and by the way, if you do get that, you'll become as bad as Roman. Well, Jimmy is as bad as Roman for stopping it from happening. Don't forget this whole thing started because of Jay's insecurities. We can go back to the Thunderdome era and that classic promo that Jay Uso cut when he first became main event Jay Uso and he was shouting at his cousin Roman Reigns and he was saying that everywhere he goes, his family is going, oh, there's the big dog. There's the big ooze. There's Roman. I can't believe Roman's here. Fans and friends. Oh, man, you're Roman's cousin. I can't believe Roman's here. Look, there goes Roman. And you know what they say to him? Which one are you? Which one are you were those words that rang out because he's part of this twin tag team. Which one are you? And he spent the last three years breaking out of that insecurity with Jimmy almost being like, hey, hey, Oos, nothing to worry about here. Nah, people don't feel that way. All the while, 
that insecurity was buried deep down even worse in Jimmy than it was in Jay because Jimmy is so worried about shaking up the sanctity of their twindom that he's allowing Roman, who Jimmy turned on first, to maintain his position as the tribal chief. You would think that nothing could be worse than Roman Reigns still being the head of the table and the tribal chief. But you know what is worse? Jimmy seeing his brother succeed without him. That's what's worse. To me, watching that segment, Jimmy framed it as if he was trying to save his brother. But it was one of the biggest heel turns that I've seen throughout this entire bloodline saga. And then as Jimmy exits, Jay is in there and he takes out Roman Reigns and he takes out Solo Sokoa and Jay is standing firm. And he says, Jimmy, get back here. Get back here, Jimmy. Get back here, Jimmy. And Jimmy goes, all right. And he starts walking up the aisle. And then Jay meets him halfway and boom, super kicks Jimmy. And finally, finally, we thought we were starting to see it building up to SummerSlam, but we really didn't. After we finally saw, I mean, if this was Breaking Bad, this is the moment where Walter is not pretending to be a physics teacher anymore. Jay was finally free of everything. Because as you watch what's happened with Jay Uso, all along the way, he's been under somebody's thumb. Right? He, 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 he feels like he's there to support Roman. He feels like he's there to support Sami Zayn. He feels like he's there to support his brother, Jimmy. Jay wasn't the one saving Jimmy. Jimmy was the one saving Jay whether it was three years ago at the beginning of this or whether it was, you know, at SummerSlam when J Jimmy says, I was saving you, Jay. Don't forget, the reason that, that, that Jay Uso lost the I Quit match at Hell in a Cell was because Jimmy was locked in a hold and Jay, Jay was trying to save him. The only reason Jimmy was there is because he had come out to help Jay because he didn't think Jay could handle it on his own. See, I think, I, think, I think Jay declaring ultimate independence was because that he realized that this whole time that Roman hasn't been the only one manipulating him, that everyone around him has been manipulating him. Everyone around him has been trying to guide him in the direction that benefits them most of all. That this entire time, whether it was Roman, whether it was his brother Jimmy, nobody had Jay's best interest at heart ever throughout this entire thing. Paul Heyman didn't, Solo didn't, Roman didn't, and now we know, based on Jimmy's excuse for SummerSlam, that Jimmy didn't. The fact is that Jimmy turned on Roman not so Roman wouldn't be the tribal chief, but so Jimmy would be. And the minute that it looked like it was going to be Jay and not Jimmy, Jimmy couldn't have it anymore. So now Jay is in this state of enlightenment. He goes, none of it, none of it. I have no friends because all of you 
have been trying to manipulate me to better serve your own purposes. So he looks right at the camera lens and he says, I'm out. I'm out the bloodline. I'm out of SmackDown. And I'm out of the WWE. And then he utters the quote, which to me is the energy that I want to be on going forward. Deuces, ooses. And I don't know that Jay Uso has ever said anything more confidently. That singular moment when Jay Uso is the Dave Chappelle's friend in Half Baked when he's quitting his fast food job. F you, F you, you're cool. F you, I'm out. That was Jay Uso. I'm done. Because this whole thing is this is this game that he's never been able to play. He's been a non-playable character the whole time. Even when he's in the main event of SummerSlam, he's still getting marionetted like a puppet. Not If not by Roman, then by Jimmy. Good, I'm done. I'm out. Bye-bye. And he leaves through the crowd and, and people can't believe it. Um, look, man. I, I thought it was I thought it was great. People go, where does it go next? And it was really interesting. The feedback that I was getting on my Twitter, which could be biased because obviously all of our Twitter accounts are going to be uh, kind of designed to at least somewhat echo chamber whatever your thoughts are. Uh, on Friday, because I, I put out like a, a tweet that was probably more combative than it needed to be about the people who were saying that the bloodline has jumped the shark because I felt that it didn't jump the shark. And it seemed like on Friday, all the feedback that I was getting was like, oh my God, oh my God. Everybody watching it was going, oh my God, oh my God. And then on Saturday, some of the, you know, naysayers were were coming out strong. Well, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. To me, it all made perfect sense. You know, this is, I mean, it's very non-traditional in my opinion. It's not, where WWE or pro wrestling has gone in the past. And I think that that is, that can be an uncomfortable thing that you don't know where it's going. I don't think anybody watched SummerSlam going, okay, well, Jimmy Uso is going to come out on SmackDown and claim that he was actually trying to help Jay. And then Jay's going to quit the WWE. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But to me, that's, that's one of the points of the bloodline. And that's what I was talking about after SummerSlam, which is, with as many right decisions as have been made to the point where we're three years deep into a storyline. And to me, it's still interesting. To a lot of fans, it's still interesting. It seems like to the ticket buying public, it's still interesting. To the Nielsen families, it's still interesting. To the people who watch clips on WWE's YouTube channel, it's still interesting. To the people who create trending topics on social media platforms, it's still interesting. So I, um, I go like, you go, where do you think this is going? I don't. I have no idea where this is going. I still say, if it's up to me, what? so so. there's two questions here. Where do you think this is going? I have no clue. I couldn't sit there and tell you what, what on earth is gonna happen next week on SmackDown. I can tell you what I'd like to happen. I can tell you what could happen. What would happen? What would you suggest? I could tell you that, but I don't know what I think is going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. That's, the, that's why I love what I'm watching. It's my favorite thing on television right now. And I'm putting, I'm not saying my favorite wrestling thing on television. I'm saying it's my favorite thing on television right now is the Bloodline story. 
so, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't think, here's what I don't think. I don't think that Jay is leaving the WWE until WrestleMania so they can push Jay versus Jimmy all the way until April. We are in August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. You're talking about seven, eight months until WrestleMania. I don't think Jimmy versus Jay is going to be pushed seven to eight months. Because the other thing about what's happened with the bloodline is even when stuff takes a long time to pay off, there are week to week chapters that maintain interest in the topic. So I, I don't think that that's what's at play here. I don't even think, because people will then compare this to the CM Punk thing from Money in the Bank 2011 when he left and then he started showing up at Indies and everything. Could, could be, but I don't think so. Even that feels more wrestling to me than I think is what's going to happen. You know, I personally would be surprised if Jay is gone for any length of time. I don't think Jay is going to be gone for very long. I, I think that the, I'm out the WWE thing and he has been moved to the alumni section on WWE.com. Um, you know, like for instance, I still, I mean, I personally think that we will probably get Jay versus Jimmy at payback. I think that that's, you know, most likely when the match will happen. Um, I think that it, it, it's more having to do with Jay declaring full and utter independence. So this is this is a Jay Uso that's coming from a different perspective. I think that's that's what we're feeding into now. I don't know how they tell that story of Jay coming back. Maybe it means he gets signed to a new deal where he's making a lot more money. Maybe as part of the storyline, he gets a favored nations clause and he's making as much money as Roman Reigns. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not pitching that stuff. I have no idea. I just know that I don't think that Jay is going to be gone for all that long. I think that I'm kind of in line with what a lot of people think, which is that there is an inevitability of a bloodline fatal four-way at Survivor Series. But I still would like the outcome to be what I wanted the outcome to be last week. I'd love to see, I'd probably go, you know, you could do Jay versus Jimmy in September at Payback, September 2nd. You maybe do a rematch in October. Between now and November, maybe Solo is involved. Maybe you can go to the Saudi pay-per-view in November with Jimmy versus Jay versus Solo in a triple threat. And then you add Roman into it at Survivor Series. I, I do feel like the inevitability is probably a bloodline fatal four-way, four corners match at Survivor Series. Roman versus Solo versus Jimmy versus Jay. A lot of people... I've talked about the fact that that how long can the bloodline just exist in a bubble into itself? You're talking about the undisputed WWE Universal Champion and three of the top acts in the company with Solo, Jimmy, and Jay, not to mention Paul Heyman. How long does that exist in a bubble? 
And I think that there is something to that. I don't think that can be a forever thing. Actually, I, I think that it's fine right now because the fact is that the bloodline spent two and a half years interacting with every top superstar in the WWE to the point where you say, well, how long can the bloodline just beat everybody on the roster? How does that stay interesting? And the answer is it doesn't stay interesting indefinitely. So what you do is you step away from the roster for a period of time and you fight amongst yourselves. You figure out where the politics lie. You, you spend, you spend a, a gap of time, which would be, you know, basically the SmackDown after WrestleMania and we're still existing in it where the bloodline is working through the fact that it's a splintered organization. I mean, it's interesting that, that throughout this whole saga, every member has talked about how family is going to come first. Every member has talked about their ability to forgive family. And Jay quitting was the first time anybody said they're, they're like out of the bloodline. Even Jimmy has said, you know, we're ready to forgive you, Roman. You just, he wanted him to apologize. So I think that at Survivor Series, you have Roman win that fatal four-way. And, you know, I, I, because I don't think anybody in the bloodline, you go back to the interview I did with John Cena, and he talks about how the reason to build somebody up as heavy as you build somebody up is to pass that forward. Somebody's got to beat Roman Reigns eventually. Everybody's got WrestleMania 40 earmarked for Cody. Could happen, might not happen. Everybody had WrestleMania 39 earmarked for Cody as well. So the idea that that was earmarked for Cody, but Roman won, except WrestleMania 40 is actually earmarked for Cody. It's like history repeating itself over and over and over again. And I think the idea that in, in August of 2023, they've already decided that in April of 2024, that's gonna be when Roman loses the title. That's, a, that's not the way it works. That's not happening. They've probably thought that that is an option. Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe even right now we're leaning in that direction. But if they get to Survivor Series of the Royal Rumble and something's got to change, something will change. If they get to WrestleMania and realize like, oh, wait a minute, we've got another six month story arc to do after WrestleMania with Roman as the champion and here's how we save Cody. Guess what? Roman retains or... If they go, look, I know the plan was Cody, but what if we put somebody else in there with Roman Reigns? Then we put somebody else in there with Roman Reigns. What if we got The Rock? Do we put The Rock in there with Roman Reigns instead? What if we get The Rock for WrestleMania? I mean, for Royal Rumble. Does it make more sense to have The Rock beat Roman Reigns and then Cody beats The Rock at WrestleMania? I don't know. These are all questions. And then 158 other questions that none of us have figured out. However, I do think eventually somebody from outside of the bloodline will beat Roman Reigns. Eventually. Could be a month from now, could be six years from now. Eventually that'll happen. And I think that, that whoever beats Roman Reigns should be beating Roman Reigns at his absolute highest level. If it's The Rock, if it's Cody, if it's L.A. Knight, yeah, whoever it is. And I don't think it will be LA Knight, but say, say it was for argument's sake. If it's Seth, 
I think you can make a very strong argument that if you do the work now to get Seth where he needs to be, that Seth makes more sense than anyone to be the guy that finally beats Roman. But the point is that somebody's gonna beat him. And when they do, you don't want somebody to beat Roman after everything's been stripped away from him. You don't want somebody to beat Roman when he's at his weakest. You want somebody to beat Roman when he's at his strongest. When you're in a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, there's this thing that happens, right? Where you can have a knockdown, drag out fight with your significant other. And you sit there and you think to yourself, oh my God, this might be it. Man, I don't know if we're gonna recover from this one. This is as big a fight as we ever had. Feelings are hurt. and This is serious. We might be done. And sometimes you are done. And you have to figure out what the next thing is and hopefully you find happiness elsewhere. But other times, you're not done. And what happens sometimes is that after that fight, you and your significant other are stronger now than you ever were. If you can get past that hump and you can do it without harboring resentments and leaving that in the past, having grown from it, then your relationship very well may be stronger than ever. That's where the bloodline needs to go. The bloodline is at its best when everyone is together. There is something so cool about seeing the bloodline all together. There's nothing like it in wrestling. It's just an exclusive blood-related faction that nobody can penetrate. That's where you need to get back to. So for me, spend the entire fall, just like, you know, the summer was the deterioration, the fall can be the explosion. But at the end of the fall, once the leaves are on the ground and the snow starts coming from the sky, I think the bloodline needs to slowly start to reform. I think that now is not the time for Solo and Roman to have that explosion. Now is the time for us to think that that's what's happening. But I don't even think we should have a singles match between Solo and Roman. I think the first time we see Solo and Roman put hands on each other is in that fatal four-way, preferably at Survivor Series. After that, Solo comes to Roman's aid. Maybe the next week on SmackDown, maybe in the next pay-per-view, whatever it is. Eventually, the Usos get back together. And as a unit, the Usos have Roman Reigns back. And slowly but surely, the bloodline reforms. And when Roman goes to WrestleMania, Roman goes to WrestleMania with the bloodline intact and all members together stronger than they have ever been. And once you go from there, there's a lot you can do. I think that that eventually they are going to all be baby faces, right? Roman has to be a baby face eventually. Maybe the bloodline turns on Paul Heyman at some point. Maybe the bloodline exists without the wise man. Maybe it was the wise man that was getting in between them. And there's this version of the bloodline, the, the core four, without Paul Heyman. 
Maybe the bloodline exists with Solo turning on Roman, Solo and Paul Heyman split, and now Roman Reigns and the Usos are all baby faces, and Roman's got a problem with Solo. There's a million, but that's way, 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 way in the future. That's not the here, and that's not the now. But for me, the bloodline is so far away from jumping the shark. I'm, I'm, look, maybe I'm a show, but I'm so much more of the school of thought. I love when wrestling is elevated. I feel like part of what we do on this show is talk about what is happening week to week in these storylines with so much seriousness and so much sincerity because I'd like to elevate the conversation. I want us to be able to 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 have these in-depth conversations about the story, not about like, oh, you know, this backstage, that backstage, that guy's not getting this guy. No, it's like, let's really break down this storyline and why it's so great. It happens, sports fans are able to, to, to break down what they watch. More importantly, I think, that, you know, Star Wars fans are able to have in-depth conversations about what is going on between these characters. Superhero fans, Marvel, DC Universe. You can you can get a, a Marvel Universe fan and and go to town about the intricacies of the storyline and the relationships between characters. And the stuff that we're seeing with the bloodline to me surpasses a lot of of lore-based storytelling when it whether it's superheroes, whether it's Star Wars, science fiction, whatever. The bloodline's right there. I want to talk about the bloodline the way we talked about succession. When we talked about succession, we had conversations about who was going to take over the company. Oh, but Shiv did this. Oh, but 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 Roman, coincidentally enough, he doesn't deserve this. He did that. You know, going back and forth. This is how I would like to talk about wrestling, but two things need to happen. One is we need to be able to have those conversations, but most importantly... We need to get the material to have those conversations. And I feel like if if we're willing to have those conversations, then the people responsible for creating the sports entertainment television that we ingest on a weekly basis have no excuse to not give us stories that we can truly sink our teeth into the way we can sink our teeth into this. And I think that, I think the bloodline to me is elevated storytelling. And some people will be like, hell yeah, that's exactly what I think. And other people will be like, Sam, you've lost it. Like you're blinded by whatever. And that's fine. I'm happy with that conversation too. I just love the conversation and I love wrestling being elevated. I also love to see superstars being elevated. LA Knight got elevated quite a bit coming off of SummerSlam on both Raw and SmackDown. So on Raw, LA Knight and The Miz had a confrontation after uh, LA Knight did the unthinkable, which is taking up The Miz's time in the photo section. You know, there's the photographers there. And LA Knight was getting his photos taken when The Miz wanted to get his photos taken. You know, it's really interesting for somebody with the history of The Miz, whose, whose character is based on being this guy who got thrown out of a locker room for something as innocuous as he was accused of uh, making a mess eating chicken over somebody's bag. And now he hasn't learned at all from that as a character because he's getting mad at somebody for using the, the photo room 
when The Miz hasn't gotten to yet. He's become what he was fighting. So The Miz and LA Knight have that confrontation in the ring, which I thought, uh, if it wasn't already cemented, purely cemented the fact that LA Knight is 100% babyface now, which I had been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, to the point where my six-year-old son, I realized I was saying this too much. You know, I mean, I uh, I was driving around with my family, uh, I don't know, a month ago, and uh, I get a call from Peter Rosenberg. And Peter does this thing where when he's recording Cheap Heat, he'll just call and like you're on the podcast. Hey man, I'm doing Cheap Heat. What do you think of this? And my family, they're just the most incredible people on the planet. They're just the most incredible, supportive people because they know that, that that's, that's the type of thing that could happen to me. That we're driving home from Target and I get a phone call and all of a sudden I'm in podcast mode because I'm on a podcast and the kids are in the back and they're not saying a word and my wife doesn't talk and it's perfect. But what I didn't realize is that my son listens to everything that I say, right? So I turn on wrestling because he's getting into it. And uh, I go, hey, bud, you like LA Night? Because I also love seeing it from a, 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 the perspective of a six-year-old. I think that's so valuable. And he goes, yeah, but dad, they should make him a baby face. That's what my son said. <laughs> because he was listening to me when I was on the horn with Rosenberg explaining this. It would have been before Money in the Bank when I said it. So they've listened to me and my son and have officially made him a baby face. And if you go back a few weeks on the podcast, you don't have to go back that far. If you're on the YouTube channel, just look for the one that LA Knight is the thumbnail on. I also made a clip of it. It went everywhere. You've probably seen it because it did a ton of views on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube shorts, wherever you want to watch it. And kind of broke down the story that I think LA Knight needs to tell. Because I think that that as LA Knight is now elevated, it's like, okay, that thing that you've been asking for and that thing that the fans have been asking for, we're going to give it to you. Now what? And you can't be put into that position and just do the same thing that you've been doing to get there. It's like, LA Knight needs to be given this opportunity. Okay, we're going to give him the opportunity. Why did he need to be given that opportunity? And that's when it's time for LA Knight to do everything he's been doing that works, but also start to tell us some stories. And I thought that the promo segment with The Miz was great. I thought The Miz was freaking awesome in it. I thought LA Knight did a great job. I felt like uh, it was exactly what we asked for on the podcast. I'm delicately saying that because it was very similar to what I said that he should say on the podcast, but that's good. I say stuff on the podcast because I want it to happen, not because I don't want it to happen. And and I thought he did great. He put took down The Miz came across uh, standing strong. Then we go to SmackDown and he's got a match with uh, Uncle Phil. <laughs> uh, top Dalla, who hada, not nada. And uh, uh, defeats Top Dalla, which you, I mean, that, that, that tells you the whole story, right? That Top Dalla is a heel and Top Dalla, while not enhancement talent, is there to be a credible opponent for a good guy to beat. When we want somebody to look strong, we're going to put him in a match with Top Dollar. And that's what they did for LA Knight. And I thought it was a a, a, a real good sign of things to come. Um, so the question is, will the story connect? Will, will 
the human side of LA Knight connect as well as the catchphrases do. And I think that 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 it could be really interesting, right? Because we've seen a very guarded, very protected LA Knight. And when I say guarded and protected, I mean he's doing that himself this entire time. I think it gets really interesting when LA Knight allows the fans to come in and understand why you are the way that you are. Look at MJF on AEW. The reason he's able to be a babyface now is because he explained the story of why he has been the way he has been. What is what is that layer? What is that connective tissue? And I think that that's what LA Knight started doing with The Miz on Monday. And I think that that's what we're going to get. And I think it's it's... It's everything we could ask for, right? It's it's the fans being listened to. It's somebody who's excelling, whether he gets put in a position to excel or not. It's somebody who's excelling and getting rewarded for excelling, getting recognized as somebody who's excelling, which is a really, really great thing. So LA Knight is, is on that road now. He's well on his way. And I think that um, somebody uh, that delivers us Content, you know, because the story of L.A. Night has been a great story to watch progress for the sake of this show. You know, to be able to come on the podcast and talk about the different things that stimulate all of us wrestling fans about L.A. Night. But somebody else that has been so gracious and giving for this podcast is CM Punk. I feel like this week in CM Punk needs to be a regular segment on Not Sam Wrestling because every week. It's something else with punk. And that's not a bad thing. That's what you want. You want in professional wrestling to give people a reason to talk every single time that you're on camera. I hope everybody's watching Collision. I really think that that if you enjoy this show, then I would imagine that some of our sensibilities at least match up. And if that is the case, then I would think you'd really enjoy Collision because I really enjoy Collision. But we got so much... With CM Punk this week, we got Ricky Starks coming out and talking about Ricky Steamboat, but that that's all connected to CM Punk. Now, it does feel like Ricky and Punk are starting to split a little bit after the CM Punk victory of last week, which I guess makes sense. Um, I do wonder if they're trying to get Ricky Steamboat to do one more match. And I could see it happening. If they're trying to get Ricky Steamboat to come back for one more, and if Ricky Starks is that guy who gets the Ricky Steamboat match, could be great. I don't know if that's where they're going, but I'm fascinated by it. Either way, I don't think we're done with Ricky Starks versus CM Punk. We get to see CM Punk and Aleister Black share a ring, and I mean, if you don't want more Aleister Black and CM Punk after that, I don't even know who you are. I would watch Aleister Black and CM Punk forever. I, I thought they were great. Um, I thought it was really, really awesome. And then, uh, of course, um, or Malachi. I keep calling him Aleister Black. Malachi Black. I got NXT on the brain. That's not going to do anything for my reputation of being a shell. Malachi Black. I would watch I, I a whole program between Malachi Black and CM Punk needs to happen. And it, I mean... You know, I would watch them over and over and over again. Samoa Joe making the challenge to Punk earlier in the show, calling him a B-word, challenging him to a match in England, which the idea that we're going to get to see, theoretically, we're going to get to see CM Punk versus Samoa Joe in front of 80,000 people 
in Wembley Stadium is like a dream come true for anybody who was watching independent wrestling in like the early to mid 2000s. It's so cool that that's going to happen now in Wembley Stadium. And then you've also got the this like will CM Punk turn heel and when are we going to get the confrontation with MJF? You've got a guy who's calling himself the real world champion and you've got the actual world champion not acknowledging it and you've got the guy calling himself the real world champion not acknowledging the actual world champion. That's happening for a reason because it's not time yet, but when will it be time? So I'm over here going... I'm excited about this idea of another CM Punk versus Ricky Starks match, a potential rivalry down the road of Malachi Black and CM Punk. The fact that we're not done with CM Punk and Samoa Joe. When is MJF and CM Punk going to happen? And then it gets leaked that after collision, CM Punk jumps on a microphone and is just smack talking Hangman Adam Page left and right. And not only... Not only, and I love it, not only is he smack-talking Adam Page, but he's using action figure terminology to do it. If there's anything that I love, it's drama in wrestling and wrestling action figures. And the fact that they're now intertwining, oh my God. The fact that CM Punk, of all people, gets on the mic and makes fun of Hangman Page and says the reason they call him Hangman is because his action figures are hanging on pegs. He called Adam Page a peg warmer. Nobody knows what a peg warmer is unless you're like me in the action figure community. By the way, if you want to get a CM Punk figure, you ain't going to find one at Walmart. You can get one at ringsidecollectibles.com, though, and put in promo code NOTSAM for 10% off. You can get a discount on your CM Punk figure. The only thing you're going to find at Walmart is Adam Page. And if you know anything about wrestling figures, you know that that promo was so impolite and hilarious because it's true. They put out a Walmart exclusive Hangman Page figure and he's got jeans and he's got a cowboy shirt on and he comes with like a beer pitcher, you know, from the angle they were doing a year or so ago. And I mean, it is weighing down pegs at Walmart. There are so many of them. And I don't think that that's Hangman's fault. The one in the Hangman page figure that has wrestling tights on, that one you can't find anywhere. For whatever reason, Jazzwares is forgetting that, generally speaking, wrestling action figures that are in suits or in street clothes, very rarely, unless it's like Stone Cold and even then, very rarely sell as well as wrestling figures that are in tights. People buy wrestling figures because they want to play matches with them. Myself not included. I'm a mature collector. But people don't buy wrestling figures in suits or in Western shirts. However, CM Punk used that to insult Hangman Page. They're not even on the same show. They're not even sort of in a rivalry. So now... I'm like, when is the action figure grudge match going to happen between top selling CM Punk and Adam Page? And by the way, this is a very audacious move for CM Punk because CM Punk has a, what is it? Walmart exclusive action figure coming out soon. There's a CM Punk Supreme figure. And this is a risk because the AEW Supreme figures are like the deluxe, deluxe figures of all. They've got 
multiple heads, which some of the other figures do, but they've also got multiple legs. It's like two to three figures in one. So it'll have like multiple bottoms. So you can have CM Punk in long tights, CM Punk in short tights. It'll have like a fabric shirt. It'll have like a fabric, a soft goods hoodie. It'll have every accessory you can imagine. This is so you can basically have whatever CM Punk figure you've ever dreamed of, but they're $40. And having an action figure on the shelf that's $40, that's a lot of money to pay for a toy, right? Wrestling figures are like $20. This one is twice the price. So CM Punk is taking a gamble here. He's sitting here and he's making fun of Adam Page's figure, even though he has a more expensive Walmart exclusive figure that's about to come out. Now, I don't think CM Punk has anything to worry about because I think that that, that CM Punk figure is probably going to fly off the shelves because it looks freaking awesome and I can't wait to get one. Plus, it's in tights, not street clothes. So hopefully we'll get more promos with more wrestlers calling each other peg warmers because the more we normalize collecting wrestling figures, the better. There's just wrestling figures everywhere behind the camera in this studio. When Nick Aldis was here doing the the uh, interview a few months back, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It's, a, it's on the YouTube channel. He went to the bathroom and then he came out and he goes, hey, Sam, I got good news. I go, what's that? He goes, I think I found one corner in your bathroom where there's still room for more figures. <laughs> I said, you, you. This is great. So, yeah, super cool. CM Punk always giving us something. We also got the news this week that, I mean, according to, I think it was Fightful who first reported it, that Bray Wyatt uh, may be close to a return. You know, the, the return rumors of Bray Wyatt are certainly ramping up, although they keep ramping up and then slowing down. I'm almost at the point where Bray Wyatt may enter into the Randy Orton rule, the third rule of Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, what do we do at Not Sam Wrestling? What do we do? We watch the product. But for the purpose of this discussion, we don't fantasy book Randy Orton. Never fantasy book Randy Orton. Because who knows? And as much fantasy, although we did a whole podcast two weeks ago, fantasy booking Bray Wyatt. That's why I can't officially make it a rule. We speculate wildly. We watch the product and we don't fantasy book Randy Orton. That's the three things that we do. And there's a lot of, I guess I'm not against fantasy booking Bray Wyatt right now just because there's a lot of directions you could go in with him. But I am almost ready to ban discussing his return because who knows? Now, Fightful did report that uh, the illness that he's been sidelined with, which they've kept very private, was both career and life-threatening, which is a really scary thing and I think puts a lot into perspective uh, in terms of of how we prioritize everything because I think at the end of the day, these human beings provide us with such this level of entertainment, right? And put so much into our lives that we only want them to live healthy, prosperous lives. But uh, I am really happy that apparently he is getting better. Uh, I still would go with my plan that I pitched here on the podcast, which is the Cody Rhodes plan. I think that it was brilliant, if I do say so myself. Um, go back a couple of podcasts if you want to hear. I go in depth on it. But yeah, I think if Bray is coming back anytime soon, that's exactly the spot where I put him in. 
Uh, moving into news and notes now. Now, a lot of people, you know, there was a, they've started announcing some matches for Dynamite this week, and there are some that are uh, uh, surprised that Jeff Jarrett is going to be in a death match. But for me, I'm excited because it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game is coming out. And as a massive horror fan, first of all, there is a part of me, you know, we talk about elevating wrestling and the idea that uh, high-profile sponsors are coming on board. Like, you know, creatively, do I look at the Mountain Dew pitch black match with a speculative eye? Yes. But on some level, am I happy for the business? Yeah. Am I happy for the business that there's a Slim Jim Battle Royal? Yeah. I, am I happy for the business that there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre match? Yeah. I want these brands to want to get on board with professional wrestling because it means good things for the industry. Uh, and the fact that, I mean, whenever, when they, when Edge started coming out to Rob Zombie music, I was like, I love Edge. I love Rob Zombie. This is the coolest thing ever. The fact that I get to watch wrestling and they're just going to be talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre the whole time, it's going to be awesome. I wish they would bring back Nick Gage for it. Um, we had some stuff. Uh, uh, we had uh, MJF and Adam Cole are now being added to the... Uh, to the Zero Hour show. So they're going to be wrestling twice in Wembley. They're going to be going for, I guess, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship on the Zero Hour show. It'd be really interesting if they win that. and then. They, but I think more than likely they will lose that match because I don't see them defending on Ring of Honor shows. And then it'll lead to an angle that will get us to where we need to go for the main event. But an interesting way to get there. Uh, of course... Uh, in the championship scene in WWE, it looks like Shinsuke Nakamura is going to be Seth's next opponent, which I love. I love uh, putting Shinsuke on that pedestal. Um, and it's so funny. Like, I don't even think you need to really... Hey, why did Shinsuke attack Seth Rollins? Who cares? We're going to get Shinsuke Nakamura world title matches. I'm here for it. It also makes you wonder, I mean, does that mean Cody is left with the Judgment Day? Are we going to get... Because we saw Cody start the thing with Dom... Are we going to get Finn Balor versus Cody? Are we going to get Damian Priest versus Cody? Is that the direction that we're going in towards payback? Don't know. We haven't really defined what Cody is doing right now in this post-Brock Lesnar world. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Chelsea Green on the hunt for a new tag team partner after Sonya Deville is now injured. So she's brilliantly trying to keep the tag team championship by doing a talent search on social media, which I love. Feels very uh, Chelsea Green, Matt Cardona taking destiny into their own hands using social media. And Rey Mysterio winning the United States Championship on SmackDown. Shout out to Rey Mysterio. I think that that's awesome. I loved the turn. Um, I think some were thinking it may even be LA Knight, but after LA Knight did his match with uh, Top Dalla, I think that that was kind of out of the question. Uh, I think that it it is, I think they're, I would probably turn Santos heel and have him take the United States Championship from Ray as a heel. Um, I think you could... I don't know if you keep the LWO alive and have Ray and the others still be LWO or you bring back Legato and or you turn LWO heel. I don't know what you do with the LWO, but I kind of feel like the move might be to turn Santos heel. I, I think the title change was the right thing to do. You know, I think Austin Theory needs a refresh for sure. And losing a title can oftentimes force you to refresh. 
you know, it'll you're going to have to redesign who and what Austin Theory is because he's no longer the United States champion. But I think that's a good thing. And I think it uh, breathes life into Ray a little bit, too. And I also love that, you know, t women's tag team championship aside, a title change in WWE right now is a big deal. And that's the way it should be. And it hasn't always been the case. But you've got Gunther who just broke the record for second longest Intercontinental Champion of all time, closing in on the Honky Tonk Man's record. So anybody becoming Intercontinental Champion would be a huge deal. Obviously, Roman would be a huge deal. Seth, I think people thought that we might get a quick title change at SummerSlam. We didn't. So now Seth is really cementing himself as world champion. Rhea isn't getting touched for that women's championship. EO, of course, cashed in money in the bank. And the tag team champion and the men's tag team championship, Sammy and KO, with the injury and everything, who knows what's gonna happen, but they were going through tag teams and not getting touched. So right now in WWE, they really are sticking with their champions, which I think is very, very good. And uh and it it lends credibility to the titles, which is really good for the champions. Uh, speaking of champions, you're all champions and here on Not Sam Wrestling, uh, we like to give all credit to you. So we do this email segment where uh, you guys get the opportunity to sound off as well. If you would uh, like to chime in, go to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Notsamwrestling at gmail.com is our email address. If you want to uh, be a part of the email segment here on Not Sam Wrestling, we would love to have you just don't break the three rules, right? Just abide by them. That's all. Speculate wildly. Watch the product. And don't fantasy book Randy Orton. If you're breaking any of these, if I'm looking at you and your speculations are not nearly wild enough, if you clearly don't watch the product, or if you're fantasy booking Randy Orton, you're just going to get a tongue lashing and you're not going to get your email addressed for what it's worth. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, hit like, comment, do the whole deal. Kanjay writes in, "What's a match and pay per view that you hate that everyone that you hate that everyone loves?" Okay, for example, I've always strongly disliked Cena versus Punk Money in the Bank 2011, and never cared for WrestleMania 30 or 17. What about you, Sam? First of all, that's wild. That's an insane thing. Um, hmm. I would really have to think about that. What's beloved that I just didn't get into? Um, I'm trying to think back at WrestleManias, if there's anything that like, or even if WCW or AEW pay-per-views, I don't know. I would really have to think about that. Stuff I don't like generally is in one ear out the other for me. I don't, but but I'm sure I'll come up with something. And if I do, Kanjay, I will, uh, I will uh, address it and let you know. Uh, Kyle says, Hey Sam, who's your favorite wrestling YouTuber? <laughs> okay. Other than yourself, of course. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah, I was going to say me, I'm the best. Uh, but I watch, uh, I watch the wrestle talk boys. Uh, I watch the cultaholic boys. Um, those two, I watch pretty regularly. Like they're pretty sunk into my algorithm. Uh, oh, wrestling bios is like my favorite thing. The Wrestling Bios channel is so great. I love that one. Um, I think those are my my three off the top of my head. I wasn't prepared. You know, I'm sure that there are more. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll pick up and see if anything just sort of 
organically pops into my uh, bio. I mean, my uh, my whatever here. I said wrestling bios. That's why. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing's uh, nothing's jumping out at me. I think it's it's really yeah, cultaholic. I think yeah, those those, those are my three go tos probably. Uh, Ultra Boy, rank these match shapes. Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, War Games, the Iron Survivor Challenge from NXT, Hell in a Cell, uh, any kind of ladder match or TLC, rank them, buddy. I mean, I don't know, dude. Royal Rumble's the best. Then, I don't know. Uh, man, I don't know. You want me to separate ladder match and TLC? It's the same freaking match. And I'm not doing this. War Game, uh, Elimination Chamber above War Games for me. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it. This is dumb, really dumb. Uh, Wrestling Minute, honest thoughts on the Eugene character. I think uh, Eugene fits into that, Eugene fits into that category of stuff that at the time, everybody was into. Nobody had a problem with it. Everybody was into it. He was a beloved character. And looking back on it, it's like, oh boy, what were we thinking? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's one of those characters that, uh, do require us to interview our past selves to figure out, you know, what the thing was there. Uh, Shiamo, rank these four Jericho gimmicks. I don't love ranking. I don't love ranking in this email segment because it feels like you're just sending me an email for the purpose of hearing your name on the show. Honestly, when you ask me to rank stuff. Not you, Shamo, but everybody who asked me to rank. Somebody else just asked me to rank, like, and I feel like they hadn't even thought about the email. They just wanted their email read. All right. I see, this is why I won't do it. This is what I mean about not, you say rank these four Chris Jericho gimmicks. This is what it says. This is what the email says. Rank these four Chris Jericho gimmicks. WCW Conspiracy Victim, WWF 1999-2001 Y2J, Suit and Tie Jericho, List of Jericho, AEW Late Champion. That's five. You said rank these four Chris Jericho gimmicks, and then you listed five. If you are not going to take your email seriously, and then you're going to ask me to take it seriously as if I don't have 150 other things to do, it's insulting. Don't put zero thought in an email and then ask me to put thought into the email. I'm tired of it. If you want me to spend time on your email, don't have typos. Don't have ridiculous things like this. Shiamo, you know better. You email almost every single week. You know better. Five things, rank these four? Come on. I'm not doing that. Watch the product. Hey, Sam. This is from Sam. To Sam. Hope you're doing well today. What would you say are the 10 commandments of being a good wrestling fan? You've mentioned, watch the product, don't fantasy book Randy Orton. Boo the bad guys, cheer the good guys, speculate wildly. Okay. Yeah, here, here's my 10 commandments off the top of my head. I don't mind this question as much. Definitely watch the product. Don't fantasy book Randy Orton. And don't fantasy book Randy Orton is a bigger conceptual thing. Like, Randy Orton doesn't even have to be involved. When you're going like, well, what about this? No, I'm not even going to have that conversation. Why? Because don't fantasy book Randy Orton. Like, it's the same thing. You're like, imagine if Diesel came back. What would you do with Diesel? Don't fantasy book Randy Orton. You know what I mean? He's not coming back. Boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys is technically the same thing. What are you going to not cheer anybody? But boo the bad guys, yes. 
speculate wildly, yes. Um, listen to Not Sam Wrestling for sure. Obviously, listen to Not Sam Wrestling. Um, I don't know. I'm just giving you those five to tell you the truth. I don't. I, I mean, if I knew ten, I would list ten. I list three every week. Three is enough. Hey, Sam. Somebody give me a good one. I'm getting, I'm getting antsy here. And I go down a spiral and I'm unfair. This is what happens. When I get frustrated with emails, I start to get unfair to other people's emails. And it's not right for me to do that. But I don't put the blame on myself. I put my blame on the previous emailers. So think about the community when you write these emails. Think about what you're doing to the community at large. Hey, Sam, this is from Mike. You know, I would ask about the current product, but you cover it really well. Okay, flattery will get you everywhere. I like where this is going. So I don't have anything current for you. So new generation it is. I love the new generation. Okay, Mike, you're listening. I like what you're doing. You're watching the product. As you know, it wasn't the hottest time in the industry, but as we both know, there were definitely some great matches during that time. If you were to recommend three matches to watch, for somebody who isn't familiar with that era, what matches would they be? I'd go Bret Hart versus 123 Kid, Raw 94. Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, King of the Ring 93. Bret Hart versus Own Heart Cage match, SummerSlam 94. I realize this is Bret heavy list, but you got to admit this was like peak Bret Hart. Thanks, Mike. Yep. I admit this is peak Bret Hart. I think that that's a good list. Here's where I go. I'll give you one Bret Hart match. Bret Hart versus Doink the Clown, SummerSlam 1993. People are unfair to that match. People are unfair to Doink in general. There are a lot of Doink matches. The Doink-Marty Jannetty matches were great. Doink versus Mr. Perfect. Okay, how about this? How about Doink versus Bret Hart, SummerSlam 1993. Doink versus Mr. Perfect, all three King of the Ring 1993 qualifying matches. Okay? I know it's Doink heavy, but Doink doesn't get nearly enough credit for 1993. And then finally, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett from In Your House 2. If you're going to watch three, and that is technically still new gen, if you're going to watch three new gen matches, any of the Doink versus Mr. Perfect King of the Ring 93 qualifiers, one was on Raw, it was great, it was a multi-segment match. Bret Hart versus Doink SummerSlam 1993, you don't even have to do the Jerry Lawler match after. And, uh, you know, all due respect to Jerry Lawler, just just to really focus in on, on Brett and Doink and Sean versus Jeff Jarrett from In Your House 2. That was a great email, and I loved answering it. I had a great time. Okay, we're back on a good roll. We're doing good. We're doing really good. Uh, Nicholas says, hi, boss. I like that. Question about American culture from a European. How famous are WWE stars for non-wrestling fans in the U.S.? Does their popularity reach people who don't know anything about wrestling? Uh, go walk the street in France and ask randomly who Cody Rhodes or Roman Reigns are. Nobody will know them except wrestling fans. Still a pleasure to listen to your show. You're great. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Um, you know, I don't think we're uh, attitude era levels where you could just, everybody knew who The Rock was. Everybody knew who Stone Cold was. Um, I think there is... I think Cody and Roman specifically, there is an awareness. And part of that is generational. Like not too long ago, I was in my barber shop and they said, isn't the rocks cousin like the man now? So some of it is like, I go, no, Roman Reigns is, you know, I, I'll bring up Roman Reigns as the name and people go like, oh, that's the rocks cousin, right? So there's that. And then like Cody is like, oh yeah, Dusty's son. Like he's big now, right? there's kind of an awareness, but you know, I wouldn't say it's like mentioning Tom Brady 
everybody knows exactly who Tom Brady is. Greatest quarterback of all time, right? Everybody knows what position he plays. Everybody knows why he's, why he's famous. Like, if I said who's the biggest wrestler in the world right now, I think a lot of people would say Roman Reigns, but a lot of other people would say, I don't really watch anymore. Uh, and also, depending generationally who you ask, like, older people that have fallen off wouldn't know. I, kids are starting to pick up on it more, I think. And John Cena is, like, a bigger name. And maybe while John Cena was wrestling, not everybody would know, but now everybody knows John Cena. So it might also be that cyclical thing where once Roman is kind of done and moves on to the next thing, everybody will know Roman. I don't know. Uh, Dylan writes in, Hey, Sam, I'm watching your Shayna interview on youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. Great stuff. Appreciate that. Yep. Shayna interviews up. Ricochet interviews up. All the interviews that I did with Busted Open uh, will all be going up on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel, as will uh, the live Not Sam Wrestling show with Riddick Moss, which was great. They'll all be going up within the next 10 days or so. I was really looking forward to seeing Ronda and Shayna tag. I felt it was the best I've seen either of them look while legitimizing the tag titles and also ingratiating Ronda with the fans. Due to that, I was a little disappointed to see them break up so soon, but Shayna seems to be really starting something here. So two questions. Who would be the better comp for either... Uh, Competition, I guess, for either Shayna or Ronda, uh, TLW, Steve Blackman, or Ken Shamrock, someone else. Oh, the Lethal Weapons. Oh, comparison. I mean, I don't know what that question even means. Uh, and number two, if we can get Shayna to continue climbing the card, can you speculate on who her mania opponent could be? Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. I think if the Shayna climb can go well and we can get her back to the place that she was kind of in when she was in NXT. I think that the idea of Shayna versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, if Shayna has risen from now until WrestleMania, could be very, very compelling. That second one I liked. Uh, Ahmed uh, uh, from Bahrain, my man. Are you coming to London for All In? If so, will you have a show there before you go like Not Sam Mania? Love the show all the way from Bahrain. I appreciate you so much, Ahmed. Uh, as of now, no. I mean, you know, it's expensive to travel all the way over there. I would love to do a live show in the UK. It would have to take a venue flying me in, though, in order for it to make sense. Otherwise, I would, like, lose money on the deal. So, yeah, I would love to piggyback any UK wrestling show and do a live show in the UK. I spent four years as a kid growing up in the UK. My first uh, live event was SummerSlam 92. Like, you know, I'm, I'm deep in over there. I would love to have a reason to go back there. Just uh, somebody's got to bring me over. Talk to talk to some of these venues. Talk to some of the conventions. Have them, have, have them bring me over for a convention. I'll do a live podcast at the convention. Uh, um, oh, Max says, uh, don't fantasy book a Jewish man to be hate crime. Not a good look, Samuel. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that sentiment. I think a lot of people were doing that and a lot of us weren't thinking of the uh, uh, bigger ramifications of it. I think, you know, I mean, the fact that it was brought into a storyline already as the reason that MJF is now a babyface, the fact that MJF would be on board and the fact that it would be done once and that and it wouldn't be the the sort of central reasoning behind the feud makes it easier for me. However... Everybody's entitled to an opinion. And if I, I think that there are people that would be made extremely uncomfortable by that, and maybe it would be the wrong kind of heat, maybe. Um, Alex says, 
Hi, Sam. It seems like a lot of people uh, are upset with Jimmy's turn on Jay. I agree with your point from a couple of weeks ago that nobody wants to see the Usos face each other. Uh, I like to let stories play out before I actually judge something is good or bad. That's the right way to be, my friend. That could be one of the 10 uh, pillars, one of the one of the 10 commandments. I recently saw a video that talked about how Jimmy has actually cost Jay all three matches he's had against Roman for the title. Throwing in the towel, being put in the guillotine. Yeah, yeah, I brought that up. That's true. I think this adds a bit more bone uh, to the bone of their feud. A little more meat on it. Help make a little more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you book it going forward? I think I already did that. Uh, Josh says... If Jay somehow beat Roman at SummerSlam and went on a great run until Mania, do you think it would mean the same for Cody to beat Jay? No, come on. For the belts at Mania? No, of course not. Of course not. And if, I mean, you know, no. Jay, the new tribal chief, has a great run of beating everyone and beating them clean, is set to fate. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Roman is Roman is Roman is Roman. Also, this might tick some people off. I don't understand the love for LA Knight. They put him in a promo battle with The Miz. He seemed to be outmatched and stumbled under the spotlight. That's not, Some people were giving L.A. Knight crap for that. I mean, it was like one stumble of one word on live television. Miz has had plenty of stumbles. Everybody has stumbles. I, you know, I think the fact is that five days removed from that promo, the entire arena at SmackDown was cheering for L.A. Knight. Is it working? Is it not working? Is L.A. Knight in over his head? I don't think that you can fairly say that you can like him or not like him as an individual but the idea that you don't understand why he's there i i mean of course you understand why he's there everybody loves the guy right it's resonating um michael says sam did sasha and naomi put a curse on the women's tag title after they left very possibly very very possibly all right last one uh this is uh from danny what do you think of this idea? The Ring General's Intercontinental Invitational. So what it would be is that eight people are selected and will face Gunther each week leading up to Survivor Series. Each of these matches will be non-title matches, win or lose after the match. The opponent is put in a tournament bracket. The winner of the eight-man tournament faces Gunther at Survivor Series in a 60-minute Ironman match. The reason for the winner-loss matches with Gunther being that Gunther would want a chance to size up each possible opponent before the Ironman. I mean, I don't know. I mean, having Gunther, because Gunther would have to win. I mean, I guess it could be done. I mean, it's just, how are you, How long do we have till Survivor Series? Like, this would take forever. So Gunther's got to wrestle eight matches, and then there's also got to be an eight-man tournament. It's very complicated. And it requires people to watch eight matches is eight weeks. And then an eight-man tournament, that's four first-round matches, two second-round matches, and then so that's an additional seven. So it's 15 weeks of television. Uh, it's like four months of TV, dude. We don't have time to do all that before Survivor Series. That's a lot to get done. A lot. Probably too much. All right, well, all right, I'll do one more. Jared uh, says... Uh, big fan of the show and all that you do. I think Edge should be what's next for Cody. I like that. Story is pretty straightforward. Brock took Cody to the deep in straight-up singles matches. Now Edge takes Cody to the deep end in stipulation matches. I don't think we need that. Can Cody hang in those environments with the master of stipulation matches? Can Edge still measure up to Cody in 2023? So it just now it just so happens the next two Raws are in Canada. Great place to start that story. Um, 
yeah, and we saw a little bit on SmackDown with uh 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 Sheamus and Edge. But I, I just, you know, I don't know, man. I think uh I don't think the stipulations are needed because in order for Edge to be the master of the stipulation matches, he'd have to go back to being that heel, the rated R superstar. And I don't know if we want Edge to do another turn. A babyface versus babyface, Cody versus Edge match, I think would be good. I think that would be another sort of notch in Cody's belt where it's like Brock saying, yeah, you're the man. Now Edge says, you know what, Cody, you are the man. I think that that could be cool. I don't mind that at all. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Wrestling. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, do the whole deal. If you're listening on Apple, then leave a review and a rating. If you're listening on Spotify, leave a rating. And the rating should probably be five stars. That's probably what I would lead it. leave it. I think that, that makes the most sense to me. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody.